Good day, good night. I'm Kevin Laramé and welcome to Off the Woodworks. The goats have a third draw in a row and that time it's at the expense of the Montreal Impact at the Saputo last Sunday. They actually had their third draw in a row, a 1-1 draw. They opened up the game by scoring in the second half, but they scored first. Yes, it was a garbage goal. It was the third rebound of a goal, and it was a defense collapse. One of the only collapse on the game. I'll explain that later, and we'll talk about that today on the show. And today, we have Ludovic Martin. We're going to talk about a little bit about the Chivas game, but more about the men's national team, the Canadian men's national team, the Gold Cup, and uh, Mr. Benito Floro. And after the interview... There is a very important blog post by Jason DeVos a couple days ago that I will actually take the time to read it to you. It's so important. It describes verbatim the way I feel about the men's national team right now. And I think a lot of you can uh, feel the same way. A lot of you can actually probably think the same way and uh, are touched by that blog post. So I will take the time to read it to you. It's that important. But first, 1-1 draw at the Saputo. Montreal salvage a point against the worst team in the league. Like Ludovic says later on, Montreal do play better against better opposition, against better team. But they do are. They are bad against bad teams. They're not bad, actually. Just had a couple collapse, but yeah, a couple mental, uh, mental mistakes or just in the moment mistakes. I wouldn't say mental. It's just small bad decisions that have big repercussions on the actual game and the result. And Montreal hasn't been really lucky in span of a couple seconds. Only have a couple seconds of missed focus of a concentration lapse. Just a couple seconds. And it costs us a point. So yes it's half season and I'm still very happy about the whole half-season. We're first in the East, three points off RSL in the Supporters' Shield race in the whole table, and we still got a couple games in hand on everybody. It's down to one and two, depending on which team you're talking about. But Montreal is still up there, and we actually do need a little slump in the season to get things back on track and to make sure the team knows how to react when it faces adversity, but more when it faces zero points. So people say, oh, facing adversity builds character. It's the way you get back up. It's the way you face that zero, that donut in the scoring sheet or in the point sheet. That's when you see that donut. That's how you react after that that tells you how much character you have. And we will see how much character Montreal has in the next couple of weeks as they're facing direct opposition in the supportive third race and in the East. We're talking about New York, Red Bulls. Talking about FC Dallas porting Kansas City again, which I um, believe that we have a small brewing rivalry against Kansas City, an actual pitch rivalry, not because of off-field antics or city rivalries, but literally a sporting rivalry because the last couple of games on the pitch have been very hard and very intense, and there's a couple of rivalry brewing 
in on that pitch against those players. Talk about Bernier against Azusi, a Bieler especially, and with the Nesta. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how that game turns out in a couple of weeks. But first, we have the Red Bulls in New York next Saturday, July 13th. So we will talk more about that game in Friday's preview show. Preview show. But, like, now, back to the Chivas game, like I was saying, just a couple laps of focus, and it cost us a point. We get a penalty, which, like um, like I said to Ludovic later on, again, yeah, Nayasi, he was a great grip for the team, but he did dive a little. Not gonna lie to each other. We both know that when you look at super slow-mo of that play, your knees buckle a good meter before the real tackle occurs. Which tells us that you probably do a little, but hey, you got one point, and that the two points we had in the last possible nine may be very important at the end of the season. Last year, we only missed the playoffs by those two points. I'm not saying we're going to be close to fighting for the playoff spot, but I'm saying it might be the difference between a supporter shield or second place in the whole table, or first in the East or second in the East. So that's what I'm saying. So back to that game, Bernier scored a penalty. Very happy. DeVaio didn't score. That's all right. So he's still first in the league. Because, yes, McGee scored too. So they're both tied for 11 goals in the scoring race. So for Montreal, well, a lot of people are speculating with the transfer season about to open soon that, oh, we need a center backs, a couple of them. We need a couple midfielders. We need to get rid of the midfielders that never play, trying to get better things, another forward. What I'm saying to you is, okay, one center back actually that can play. Because if Rivas could play, it will be good. But Rivas, I don't even think we're going to see him in the Montreal uniform ever again. So if you get a center back, like, of his caliber to be there, it'll actually help with the Champions League game coming. Because I am hoping that we actually make it out of the group stage of the CONCACAF Champions League to actually make it a little further in that tournament to get more games going. So we might need a, a centre-back. Midfielders, I think we are very good because we have a lot of midfielders and Del Piccolo that just signed that needs to play and those CONCACAF Champions League game mixed with the reserve league games, which more of them are going to come in the second half of the season. It will be interesting with those midfielders like the Blake Smith who's going to get a, a lot more playing time probably in the CCL. Del Piccolo is probably going to play a lot of reserve league and trying to get him up to speed to the MLS. And Ubi, I don't know what's going on with Ubi though. Uh, Ubi is like a Riva situation to me. I don't know if Ubi is going to be back in the Montreal uniform. I hope so. Always like the guy because of his history, him playing in the second division with Montreal. He has a little spot in my heart. But I don't know if we're going to see him, honestly, back in the Montreal uniform again. Hopefully, I'm wrong. But him and Rivas have been quite uh, on the outside lately. Well, you've been on that much, Rivas. Really, really on the outside. He's been actually, like you know, he's been cycling his way through the Tour de France. Kind of. So, yeah. We'll see what's going on with that. I don't think a lot of moves are going to happen. Probably one center back, hopefully, to take Rivas' spot. And after that, I think we're fine because Andrew Wenger, as much as we complain that he can't finish to save his life, 
still again Sunday. He could have get the win, the win or the three points, but his cross mixed with his cross shot mixed with a cross he was trying to do missed the net by like a foot and a half. He got stuck between two ideas again. So when we were talking about maybe think overthinking the stuff, that's quite an example of what we're thinking about, what we're talking about. But I think he gets in good positions. He gets the opportunity one day or one of these days. It's going to go in for him. And it's probably going to be in the CCL where he's probably going to start up top with maybe a Nyasi or somebody else. I don't know. I think we're going to rest Paponi and DeVaio for those matches, especially the one against Heredia and probably the one against the Earthquakes in San Jose because you saved them across the continent trip. But he saved them with the travel and saved the legs. But... Yeah, maybe the, the striker, I think we're going to be fine with uh, Wenger getting his confidence back up when he plays in the CCL. And he will, that's a prediction, and he will score a couple goals in the CCL for the Montreal impact. But it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting. But like I said, the only movement I'm expected or that I'm waiting for is probably one defender, one center back to come in, uh, establish one, and to help to like another one so he actually gets game time with if we met or Lefebvre and trying to actually build uh <coughs> sorry about that actually to help build a chemistry on the field between a veteran and a rookie to help them because yes it's good to, to make them practice with the stars like Nesta Ferrari but don't get me wrong they don't play real competition with them you need to those rookies to play real competition with some veterans to get them up to the speed, up to the same level of tactics and technique and techniques. So with them building chemistry with, uh, I don't know, if a, I'll use Rivas as an example because that's what we have. So imagine a, hel a healthy Rivas playing with a Lefebvre on a day-to-day -day basis, practicing and playing all the Reserve League or all the CCL games with those two players in the middle, in the middle defense, and try to build a chemistry and try to build the confidence of the young player. So those are the kind of possibilities we could do with another center back type Rivas. Maybe not as as good reputation wise, but maybe a more healthy, less fragile, less injured. Because basically, he's been injured. He was supposed to be in training camp. Can you? Yes, I know. He is the Andre Markov of the Montreal Impact. <laughs> Anyways, we'll take a small break on Off the Woodworks. When we come back, we have Ludovic Martin from Optimum-Soccer.com. We will talk about Chivas a little, but especially Canada and the Gold Cup. I know. I know. Canada, yeah, I've made up my mind. And we're back on Up the Woodworks with one of our regular collaborators, Ludovic Martin from Optimum-Soccer.com. Hello, Ludovic. Hi, Kevin. So, uh, I was going to say big game at the Tsiputo, but it was against Chivas, the GOATs. 1-1 draw with a penalty by Bernier and a nice goal by Alvarez, a garbage goal. What's your thought about that game? Well... It wasn't that <laughs> it wasn't a good game for Montreal. That's for sure. They they, they waited and they uh, they weren't really efficient with the ball going forward. Uh, there was difficulty for the midfield finding Marco Devaio up front and Daniele Paponi, and uh, Devaio had uh, to do a lot of work 
behind in the midfield in order to get balls. So he wasn't able to go uh, up front and uh, have occasion to score. And afterwards, Paponi and later uh, at the end of the game, uh, Wenger missed a couple of opportunities, good ones. So uh, not really satisfying. Also, the, 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 the penalty goal by Bernier. I am maybe 90% sure that it, it wasn't a penalty. It wasn't deserved. Yeah, no. So. I, I saw the replay. If you look at it, the, the instant replay by Simon Borg on MLSsoccer.com, they showed the actual replay and they break mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. And you see that Nyasi's knees buckle a meter before the Chivas players tackle him. Exactly, exactly. I was close to that in the stadium. It, it looked legit from, from, uh, from where I was, maybe uh, 10, 20 yards away uh, in the first row behind the net. But uh, after after the game, I looked at it at home, and <laughs> let's say I had big doubts about it. So, but that's the way the, the game goes. <laughs> we're not going to dwell on that game because we're still first in the East. Yes, we only had two points in the last nine possible points, but we need a slump. Do you think it's the right time to get a slump and then to start things back up again? Well, actually, it's not that bad because. You have time to regroup before Champions League. Uh, you've got good challenges ahead. So, I don't know. Montreal seems to play better when they play better teams. Maybe that's just a, a coincidence. Maybe they're just better prepared when they, they face opposition that's a more... Uh, uh, how could I say it? Well, that's better opposition. That's mm-hmm. it. So, maybe that's a, there's a little bit of that. So, that will help. And uh, if, they get thing, if they can get the things back on track... For, with the next three games again, it's the New York, Dallas, and the, what's the third one? Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Well, they can go uh, to the Champions League uh, on a good base. So we'll see what what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. So enough about the goats. Uh, during the weekend, it was the beginning of the Gold Cup, and oh. unfortunately, Canada has has still not begun his tournament. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They started playing against Martinique, uh, one nothing defeat, goal, a really nice goal in extra time, but Martinique actually dominated the whole game. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts about that? Uh, that <laughs> one, well, I'm not that surprised. It's a deception for sure, but I'm not that surprised because uh, I didn't think, um, I was about to say Montreal, but Montreal, I didn't think Canada had the weapons to be a, a good team at this Gold Cup. I mean, you look at the, the, the roster, it's full of young players, but there are good quality players there in the midfield a little bit, in the defense too, but you look up front, it's really, really thin. I don't see anyone scoring goals for Canada <laughs> with the with that roster, with those forwards. Except maybe if uh, Simeon Jackson could find his form, but he's back in Germany because yeah, he just he... signed with his club. So Exactly. Well, he didn't want to get injured. That's the thing. He's looking for a club, but he didn't want to get injured, so he just left. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, since he's moving a uh, country to, uh, I guess he has stuff to do before. So they, they gave him permission to go there. So I don't see who's going to score goals. Simple as that. I still don't believe Lucas Cavallini is not in that team. He's like the striker of the future for Canada. He's not even on that team. Well, it's a bit of the same thing with uh, Cavallini as with uh, Jackson. He was on loan for the past uh, two seasons, I think. Okay. And this year is looking forward to uh, establish himself with his club in Uruguay, Nacional. So uh, he's in training camp with them. He preferred to, to even though he was, he was called up, he preferred to stay in Uruguay in order to, to uh, have a chance to, to shine with his club instead. So 
it's a decision. Is it a good one or a bad one for him? I think it's it's a good move, but for Canada, well, too bad for Canada. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm... But we'll we'll see him later uh, some sometime in the future. That's for sure. He's kept tied to Canada, so there's nowhere nowhere else to play for him. So the only bright spot in Canadian soccer right now in the men's national team it's the nomination of Benito Floro as their coach. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this go ahead. this man has quite a challenge up ahead. <laughs> I don't know what he thought about the Martinique game, so we'll see. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? You just get nominated, then the first game you watch is against, not even a country. It's just yeah. a, a prefecture that has a couple of players used to play for France that kicked us so bad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, have you got a chance to watch a U.S. game yesterday? And then, uh, no, 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 no. I was working yesterday, but they beat Belize 6-1, I think. Yes, I just did a so quick mention. After... Uh, Wondolowski, Mr. Three W's in his last name. They actually <laughs> misspelled his name on his shirt. I saw that too. Scored, yeah. a, scored a hat-trick. Uh, yeah. He's arrived as a men's national team for U.S. Yeah, and that uh, coming off uh, a 6-0 victory in a friendly against Guatemala. So they, it might be a B roster for them, but they still look really strong. Though, yeah. Belize is, is Belize. It's not that much better than Martinique or even Canada, if hey, I can say. I'll tell you what I read on Twitter last night. Last night it was saying, trending in Belize, we are shit in football. And then it said, <laughs> then it says, trending in Canada, Belize is so good at football. <laughs> That's quite something. No, uh, but I, I would hope that Canada would beat Belize in a, in a game. We did beat Belize a couple of years back in the World Cup qualifying in a, in a uh, I don't remember when it was, but maybe eight, ten years ago. So yeah, that's so a long time ago. Me and you both know that there's no chance Canada has of just going out of the group stage in that gold cup. Well, not not with the, the loss to Martinique. If if Montreal, if, again Montreal, if Canada had won that game, maybe they could have managed get a point yeah. somewhere else and. In Mexico, yeah, Panama, and go through Panama. as a good third third ranked team, but not anymore. So that's pretty <laughs> much it. And now you're playing Mexico and Panama. Mexico will be uh, frustrated with the game they played before against Panama that they lost. So yeah. they're they're gonna be going out going all out to, to 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 beat Canada. And after that, you get Panama. That this team won't beat Panama. It's impossible. No, Panama is one of the favorites for the tournament. If you look, if you ask me, they actually played really well against Mexico, mm-hmm. and there's a chance they can actually uh, finish first in the group and go far in the tournament. Yeah, well, they they were also one of my favorites, but since the, the teams can uh, make changes to the roster once the group stage is finished, yeah, uh, it'll be hard for them to to go uh, to go really really far. They'll they probably can make it to the semifinal, but after that, uh, it's going to be tough because they're going to face either the U.S. or Mexico, and probably uh, with a better lineup than what we see now. So let's... yeah, and for sure the U.S. are going to call up uh, the center center backs because all their center backs right now are playing out of position. So for yeah. sure, Omar Gonzalez, Bessler, or players like that will be called up after the the, the group stage. It, I wouldn't be surprised to see things like that. In a way, uh, uh, Klinsman with the U.S., it's good for him if he can call both those guys and have more games for them together So at a good level. So that, that helps for uh, World Cup qualifying later. So uh, I think uh, they'll do that. Yeah, just speaking of World Cup qualifying, we'll just go uh, do a small prediction about Benito Flores' World Cup qualifying yeah. campaign. It's going to start a couple of years. There's two of them. He's oh. the coach of the U23s, 
and he's the coach of the actual team. Mm-hmm. Is he going to bring any of those two teams to the World Cup? Um, with the U23s? Uh, you mean uh, Flora and Canada? Yeah. Because um, I lost you for a yep, second there. I, so, he's uh, the coach of the under-23 team and the men's yeah. national team as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think with the U23s, there's a chance to be able to do something because you, you look at the last uh, U20 teams and uh, U17 teams that Canada had and there's something. There's a group there that's starting to form and that has a, a chance to, to be able to do something. So I think that's where the future lies with Canada. You, you have to take the U23 and make it a team, a real team. Not like what, what they did the last time and just call a bunch of guys uh, one week before qualifying starts. If they take this seriously, they can have a chance to go to to, uh, to the, the Olympic Games. As for the Senior World Cup, the next one, man, the next one were already eliminated, but the other one after that, it'll be hard because uh, <clears throat> there's not that much depth. It all depends uh, of those U23 players if can they can step up and uh, have good uh, club careers and uh, establish themselves with a club, then maybe they'll have a chance to, to go on and uh, qualify for the World Cup. But I'm for uh, the next one in Russia. I'm not that sure. After that, we'll have to, uh, Russia or Qatar? I don't remember. Yes, yeah, so we'll have Russia to, than Qatar. Yeah. yeah, Russia. So we'll have to see. Probably for Qatar, there's a better chance. But it'll be hard for Russia. But I see progression simply because we're so low. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one way to go. So that's it. Well, thank you very much, Ludovic. You can read Ludovic on optimum-soccer.com. And uh, he talks about all the Canadian players who play abroad everywhere. He knows them. I don't. So thank you very much, (laughs) Ludovic. My pleasure, Kevin. I'll catch a plane, fly away from this rain. Thanks again, Ludovic Martin from optimum-soccer.com. So as I was saying earlier... Jason DeVos from TSN.ca put a blog post that is just amazing. It came out on July 8th. You can find the link on my Twitter feed. I will read to you the article right now. It is very important for us to realize how far we are right now and how far we have to go. It's Everest. We're actually looking forward to climbing Everest in a way, in a figuratively speaking way, for the Canadian men's national team, but not just the elite program, for has to start from the ground, from the roots, and that's what explains it. So let me just read the article for you, and you will understand how important that article is. By Jason DeVos on TSN.ca Now is a time for Canadian Soccer Association to mandate change. Canada's men's national team lost its opening game of the 2013 CONCACAF Gold Cup on Sunday after they were blanked 1-0 by Martinique. That's right, Martinique. You can add this result to the growing list of international embarrassment for for Canadian soccer. We've had our fair share of suffering in Canadian soccer over the years. An 8th one loss to Honduras that eliminated us from the World Cup contention back in October. Failure to reach the World Cup final since 1986 our one and only appearance, a 2 nothing loss to Cuba in the 2003 Gold Cup that saw us crash out at the group stage. 
If you think if you think our embarrassments are unique to the men's program, think again. Twelve months before coming home with a bronze medal from the 2012 Olympic Games, Canada's women's team finished dead last in the 2011 Women's World Cup, losing all three group games. Critics can blame the players, the coaches, the weather, the field conditions, or any combination of, of other factors. They are nothing more than excuses. The, brutal, the brutally honest truth is this. We are simply not good enough. That criticism is not leveled at the players, the coaches, or staff who represent our country. They do their very best when wearing the red jersey. And on some occasions, like during last year's Olympic Games, they pull off the impossible. The criticism applies to us, you, me, anyone else who is involved in Canadian soccer at any level. We are not good enough. We have stood idly by and allowed soccer to become nothing more than a recreational sport in our country. We have allowed the game to sink to the lowest common denominator, and we have done nothing, absolutely nothing, to put it in place an effective development system for players, coaches, and referees in Canada. While there are over 850,000 registered soccer players across the country, the vast majority of them are recreational players. Very, very few of them go through what can even loosely be described as an effective development program. Our youth soccer system emphasizes winning over development. The result is a pool of players who fail to master the fundamental skills required to compete at the elite levels of the game. The players, both male and female, who do manage to go on to represent Canada do so by chance rather than by design. They reach the national team through their own will and determination, not because they have allowed a well-researched, well-designed development pathway. It is time for that to change. It is time for the Canadian Soccer Association to put its money where its mouth is to put its money where its mouth is and to mandate change in soccer across the country. That's right, mandate. Asking for clubs to implement the principles of LTPD is not good enough. Asking for coaches to educate themselves is not good enough. Asking for leagues to implement minimum standards for coaching qualifications, training to game ratios and competition formats including the removal of promotion and relegation, is not good enough. All of these things must be mandated, because if the Canadian Soccer Association leaves it up to the club, districts, or leagues, if they make compliance with these things opt-in or optional, they simply won't happen. Because there is nothing stopping these things from being done voluntarily right now, other than the fact that we, as a nation, sink to the lowest common denominator. How can these changes be mandated? Easy. Create two streams of soccer in Canada. Recreational and high performance. Most clubs across the country do an excellent job of offering recreational soccer programs. The evidence is right there in the numbers. Over 850,000 players from coast to coast. Leave the recreational programs as they are 
and offer those clubs access to coach and referee education, as well as to a national development curriculum for recreational players. Then, create a high-performance stream and mandate that organizations must meet the technical standard required to be involved in that stream. Both nonprofit clubs and for-profit academies should be allowed to enter the high-performance stream, provided that they all meet the required standards. This isn't difficult to do, but it requires the CSA to flex its muscle a little bit. Given that their high-performance is legally either already in existence in BC, in Quebec, the PLSQ, or about to get underway, League One in Ontario, for example, the CSA might be surprised just how little resistance there would be to such a plan. And here's another important component of pulling this off. The CSA needs to sing it from the rooftops, people. The CSA needs to go on national television and lay it all on the table. Tell anyone and everyone what the plan is and why it is being implemented. Go across the country and hold open mic town hall meetings where Tony Fonseca, the CSA's technical director, answers questions about the CSA's plan until all the questions have been answered. That is Fonseca's job. He needs to be able to sell the game from coast to coast. He needs to be able to win over skeptics, to convince the many like-minded people who truly care about the game in our country to start pulling in the same direction and start working to fix the broken mess that we've tolerated for decades and decades in Canada. If he can't do that, then he is the wrong man for the job. How many embarrassments must we suffer before we say enough is enough? How many more failed qualifying campaigns must we endure before we realize that the, that the time to change is now? The time for change is now. That was the article by Jason DeVos. If you don't have chills, as I do right now, you maybe don't like that round ball enough. If you are implicated in development, in soccer, in any way, shape, or form from the ground up to anywhere, if you coach a small team like I did, or like I do, or if you do anything, please listen to that reading of that article again. Read that article again. It needs to be important to you. It starts with us, people. It starts with every single player, person, coach, referee at the lowest level to raise their standards, to be good enough, to care enough, to not do this for money or for people to have fun here. I'm talking about the high performance place part of it. What's not there? It's we have a job to do, and that is to teach and to show the players and everybody involved all we know to pass the knowledge and if we don't have the knowledge by the way we need to go get that knowledge and that's where I think the hiring of Benita Flora is a step in, one dire in the right direction but we need to tell to teach to show to mandate and to implement all we know for soccer for the kids but for the kids of today so eventually, we will stop having those embarrassments. So, Jason DeVos, thank you.
thank you for writing that blog post. It is very important to me and probably to a lot of our listeners right now. Speaking about listeners, I want to thank you for listening to Off the Woodworks. It's always a pleasure. You can reach us on Twitter at Off the Woodworks with an X. On iTunes, you can review and subscribe to the podcast. Give me a couple of stars, please. You have a question, comments, reactions? You want to be a sponsor of Off the Woodworks? Email me off the woodworks with an X again at hotmail.com and or go on Facebook, like my page, comment, and send me a message. It's a pleasure doing this show for you, and hopefully it, the time for change is now. As always, have a great soccer. I'm Kevin Lagame and have a great soccer. Goodbye to you. Uh, I'm just gonna say goodnight.